Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is the Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Hello and welcome to you all. This is another edition of the Andrew Lawton Show here on True North, Friday, August 4th. And as is usually the tradition on our Friday show, we try to break out of the usual format and not dwell simply on the news of the day and talk about some of the bigger picture things that have been happening. And for this one, we actually have to go back to almost a decade when the Me Too movement, the hashtag Me Too movement emerged and became one of the most powerful cultural forces that I have ever seen in the sense that it took down people who were titans of their fields, people who were on the top of the world, and it were taken down in many cases in a long overdue way. People that had been getting away with absolutely horrible things over time. Uh, But as with anything else, we also saw a little bit of mission creep and the line between someone who was, say, a date rapist and someone who simply had an awkward encounter on a date got blurrier and blurrier. And we saw in the Me Too movement people who were casualties of this cultural tidal wave that really were not villains. And as a result, we have still, I think, a lot of questions that have been left unanswered about uh, which justice was correct directly meted out in which justice was not. Well, one of the biggest names that was taken down in the Me Too era was Kevin Spacey, an actor who, at the time, the allegations against him were made, and there were many of them. He was uh, really on the top. He was starring in that Netflix movie or Netflix series House of Cards, which for a time was actually uh, quite watchable. It was uh, decliningly uh, so in the recent years. But uh, then we saw Kevin Spacey really just vanish. I mean, one of the most chilling things that happened was he was literally recast and replaced in a movie that had already been filmed. Now, Christopher Blummer did a bang-up job in that, but it doesn't exactly change that this guy was the poster boy for cancellation in that time. Now, was it justified or was it not? Well, As of uh, just a couple of weeks ago, he has now been exonerated in his second country, cleared of all charges in the United Kingdom in a trial that was covered quite extensively by a number of media outlets, but none more than by the husband-wife duo Phelan McAleer and Anne McElhenney, which uh, between the two of them have a tremendous knack for taking judicial proceedings and bringing them to life. They ran a phenomenal podcast called Kevin Spacey Trial Unfiltered. You can catch all the episodes at kevinspaceypodcast.com. Phelan McAleer joins me now. Phelan, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. Always a pleasure. So, I mean, you and I have spoken in the past, and you have done a tremendous job in so many different avenues of bringing these uh, court cases and proceedings to life here. Why was this one that you wanted to get your hands on? Good question. Actually... I read about, we focused a lot on his previous trial in, in New York, and I read about it in an obscure legal journal where so, uh, the, the journalist interviewed the lawyers, and it was lawyers talking about it, not, not, not journalists, funny. And the guy wasn't a proper journalist, and he, and, you know, the, you know, so therefore he wasn't polluted. Therefore he didn't have to put a spin on it. And I was looking at him going, no, that couldn't be true. That couldn't be true. No, that couldn't be true. I mean, this case went to trial. And, and the more I read it, I realized this is mob justice. This is the politi- and it's also the politicization of justice. This is j- j- justice uh, be- beholden to a political movement. 
and prosecuting and persecuting people for political reasons, not for judicial reasons. And, you know, as I say, they started with Spacey. They're coming for you. They're coming for someone you love or they're coming for you next. And, you know, this is part of the... You can almost draw a line from Spacey to Trump about how we've allowed justice to become more and more politicised and more and more ludicrous. And the media don't seem to care because it's coming for their enemies. The the Kevin Spacey allegations, I mean, they go back now so long, people can go back and, and read them all for themselves, but we had a range there. I mean, there were some very serious ones from the actor uh, Anthony Rapp. There were allegations of groping, of, of just in general creepy conduct. And and as I was saying in my preamble there, there's a range of things that all tend to be viewed in, in the same uh, way here. And, you know, the one thing when I, I look at this that, as far as Me Too casualties go, there were people that did things that were wrong but weren't necessarily illegal, and people that I, I don't actually think did anything wrong at all. Which camp would you put Kevin Spacey in? Is this a guy that, you know, the stuff he did was bad but didn't cross a, an illegal threshold, or do you think he was actually dealt a, an unfair hand from the get-go and wasn't even really guilty of what he was being accused of? He was completely not guilty of anything he was accused of. This was this was more this was this wasn't uh, as you say mission creep. This was false allegations, and, and that's a big thing to say, right? Uh, but nobody knows this case better than I do, except I would suspect Kevin Spacey. Uh, and uh, you know, I can I can quite clearly say. And by the way, it's not me speaking. The jury agreed with me. The Anthony Rapp case, you know. BuzzFeed News, just after they published the Steele dossier, by the way, BuzzFeed News ran with this uh, story about Kevin Spacey. He was cancelled. Anthony Rapp sued him uh, uh, f- four years later for $40 million. Two weeks' evidence in a Manhattan courtroom with a liberal Manhattan jury. They took 45 minutes to exonerate him. Uh, you know, and I don't know if you've ever served on a jury. It takes 15 minutes to order the lunch, 15 minutes to nominate a foreman. Uh, and then they decide, oh, what are we going to do with this? They literally all went not guilty and let's go home. That is how, that is how, how strong the evidence wasn't uh, in the Anthony Rapp case. Similarly in London, similarly in London, I mean, there was a couple of the charges and I was thinking, you know, not only are they probably false, but even if they were true, they shouldn't be in a court of law. One of the things I, I found interesting, and I didn't see this reported anywhere but in your coverage, is that Kevin Spacey had, for whatever reason, this obsessive hoarding of documents and records to the point where he was able to produce like a cell phone that he used 20 years ago in England, which was used in, in some ways to exonerate him. And often, I mean, that's in a case that's a he said, he said case or a he said, she said case, whichever it is, no one has any evidence, but he actually had the receipts, as the expression says. Well, well, see, he literally had the receipts. I mean, the the statute of limitations are there for a reason. And and very interesting, they changed the statute of limitations in New York so Anthony Rapp could sue Kevin Spacey. You know, uh, and then they used that to go after Trump. E. Jean Carroll used that to go after Trump. Classic example of... You know, oh, let's change the law so the child abuse victims can get justice, and then we go after our enemies using this new law. Um, Kevin Spacey, uh, you know, who can defend themselves against 35-year-old allegations from 1986, uh, where it's alleged this happened and you were there at this particular moment in time when that happened? Kevin Spacey is one of the few people in an ugly, disgusting, appalling 
storage warehouse, now not a storage locker, a storage warehouse, Kevin Spacey, and I've seen the photographs of it, hundreds of cardboard boxes, not even the nice plastic ones you get and you buy in Target or whatever. These are just boxes that he picked up over the years. Every document, every receipt, every bill, every invoice, every letter, even the envelopes of the letter. So Kevin Spacey in, in New York was able to prove, A, Anthony Rapp said he was, a, he was at a party. He retreated to a bedroom to watch TV. Spacey, after the party, came, stood in the bedroom door, attacked him. He wriggled out. Spacey was able to prove he lived in a studio apartment. There was no bedroom. There could be no bedroom for Anthony Rapp to retreat to. There could be no bedroom door for Kevin Spacey to stand in menacingly. There could be no uh, wriggling past the doorway. So then, fast forward to the London case, uh, this guy said, I was sexually assaulted. In a, but it was a serious sexual assault. Ten years was the, was the, was the sentence. At 4.30 in the morning, I woke up and this was happening. Uh, Kevin Spacey said, no, we had a consensual encounter. Uh, he, he freaked out afterwards at 11.30 in the, at night, left in a hurry. I phoned him, worried about him. We had a conversation, he assured me, and we communicated after that for several months. So there's two different versions of events. Kevin Spacey at the bottom, and the guy says, I can't remember my phone number from 2003, so I can't give you the bills, I can't give you anything. Kevin Spacey at the bottom of one of these boxes found this phone, this British phone, from 2003 he also managed to get his phone bills from 2003 and that showed a phone call between him and this guy at 11:30 that lasted one minute the as, as, as they call it the bus stop phone call the guy was at the bus stop getting a bus going home and spacey phoned him to make sure he was okay there was no phone call between him between the two of them at 11:30. there was nothing it got to the stage where the prosecution i i, I kid you not the prosecution said the way this phone call can be explained was that it was an accidental dial by Spacey, right? Uh, the, 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 the complainant said, asked to explain all the text messages between him and Spacey in the, afterwards, said, I think that when Spacey assaulted me, he installed malware on my phone to make it look like we would be texting uh, in the future. So not only is Kevin Spacey... This was in 2003, 2003, right? Kevin Spacey, who knew? Oscar-winning actor, super predator, and tech nerd uh, who can install malware on a 2003 phone. In the, in the obvious event that in 20, 20 years' time, he's going to be accused of sexually assaulting him and needs an alibi. You know, this is the kind of nonsense that the jury had to endure in, uh, but by the way, very little of this was printed in the mainstream media. They printed the, the, the allegations, the Me Too allegations, and their pens and laptops went silent uh, during the during the, the ludicrous, ludicrous uh, uh, evidence that came out for the defence. I mean, the the Spacey's barrister was just fantastic. I mean, I can't remember his name, but we called him Sir Buffton Tufton. QFC, FC, BBC, you know, RSPCA, KC. He was just one of these classic English barristers, probably about 110, you know. And uh, there was one incident where, you know, he said, now in complainant number three, I want you all to, members of the jury, to remember four features, four features. And we're all going four features, you know, truth, justice, whatever, you know. And he goes, four features are, and in order of importance, Guinness, tequila, Jägermeister, and wine. <laughs> because they'd been on an all-day drinking session uh, and the guy admitted to having six or seven Guinness, right? And I, and I, it's a long time since I had that drink 
but back when I did, I know when I said I had six or seven Guinness, that means I had nine or ten Guinness, you know. So he was completely drunk, and then he went home to Spacey's and drank some weed, and they had the, they had a little kiss, uh, uh, and Spacey, when he said, I'm not gay, Spacey backed off, and then got, that was the charge. And it's like, it shouldn't have been brought to court anyway, but uh, the evidence then showed that, that, that this didn't, I mean, it, it, it was ludicrous, some of the charges, um, and... The jury. So, I mean, that right there that you bring up is something we saw in other cases where, uh, you know, men who thought that a date was going one way and, you know, tried to make a pass and were rebuffed and stopped it were being accused of having committed some heinous sex crime. And I think in some cases that was when even some of the people that were all in on the Me Too movement, not all, some started to back up and say, okay, maybe we've pushed this too far. I remember one of them that came up was this comedian in the U.S., Aziz Ansari, who was basically accused of just having an awkward date and was the subject of an attempt to dismantle his career. But the fact that that even got to trial, even after we've had some time to look back and say, okay, maybe we can lower the temperature on this. I mean, why was that charge ever made in the first place? I think they just, they, they wanted, they, they knew the quality was bad, so they were going for the quantity. And you get this with, with some cases sometimes. Juries will say, no smoke without fire. We'll, we'll give, we'll, we'll clear him on all of these, but convict him on that. And they were hoping for that. I mean, it was ludicrous. So Spacey, I think I can't. Spacey, I think agrees. Yeah, he the the guy let Spacey's dog out of a room. It's a long story, and the guy said, "I'm really sorry." And Spacey says, "Oh, no problem. Give me a hug." After six Guinness, three Jägermeister, two two tequila, and several glasses of wine and a joint, they hugged. Right? Casey, Spacey says, and it's agreed. Kissed him twice on the neck in the hug, and now there's a dispute whether Spacey also touched him. Uh, but even the guy says the touch was two out of ten, right? Um, and the guy said, I don't bat for that team. He said, Spacey pulled back with a look of panic in his eyes, left immediately and went to another room and closed the door. The classic bad pass, right? And it's like, what is this doing in a court of law? You know, the guy, it was a running joke between him and his mates, right? Uh, for years afterwards, until his, he said, and then, I mean, this guy, I mean, so uh, then this is the, the Jägermeister guy. He said, Sir Bufton Tufton, the QC or KC, said to him, have you ever corresponded with Mr. Spacey? I don't recall. I was going, that's a really funny answer. I don't recall. Have you ever written to him through his website? I don't recall. Going, okay. So it turns out in t- at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, now not 3 p.m., 3 a.m. after a feed of drink, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, he wrote to kevinspacey.com and said, I'm willing to withdraw from court case in return for a settlement. Right? And it's like, and we're hearing from this guy. This is the guy who should be charged with extortion rather than uh, having Kevin Spacey in a, in a glass dock in, in the horrible Southwark Crown Court uh, facing, you know, facing uh, years in prison. So the challenge here is that as you and, and Anne have noted, Kevin Spacey has been exonerated in two countries and two courts. He has yet to have had any allegation against him stick. But I don't believe there will be any reversal of the career damage and the reputational damage. I mean, I don't think Netflix is going to be calling him up and saying, I'm so sorry, we'd like to include you in the House of Cards reboot. I don't believe that, uh, you know, all the money in the world part two is going to, you know, replace Christopher Plummer with 
Kevin Spacey. So is there a, a bittersweet aspect to this where, you know, yes, you have justice, but not really? I, I think it's just a bitter, bitter aspect to it. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. And, you know, this is when you, when you hear about all these producers and all these studios complain about their finances and actors, you know, look, who wouldn't want to see a, a show with Kevin Spacey in it now? You know, maybe a, a show about a man wrongly accused of something, you know, uh, maybe, you know, but they don't have the imagination. They don't have the courage. I mean, when you think about it, cutting Spacey out of all the money in the world, it was Stalin-esque. That's what Stalin used to do against his enemies, you know, replace them from the photographs or remove them before Photoshop was a thing. He was able to do that. So, um, yeah, I don't think, no, I don't, I mean, I, I just find it hard to believe now that he will regain his career, will, re, will regain his place in, in society. I, I just can't, I just can't see it, no. And, and uh, it's, and why not? I mean, just to correct you there, Andrew, he's been exonerated in three courts in two continents. I mean, there was the New York one, which took 45 minutes. I mean, the other one in Nantucket, which oh, we, yes, we devoted right, an episode yes. to in our podcast. Yes, I mean, when you have the complainant t pleading the fifth because he says, because the judges warned him he could be charged with tampering with evidence, right? You know, when you have the complainant pleading the fifth, you know the charges are wrong. The only person likely facing criminal charges after the Nantucket case was the complainant and his mother, right? So exonerated. I mean, that's, you know, that's, a, that's a one step beyond exonerated. Imagine the jury says you're not guilty. They didn't even get to court. The judge says you're not guilty. The prosecutor says you're not guilty. And we're, we're thinking about charging the complainant uh, with tampering with evidence. So you couldn't ask for a more exonerating exoneration, if that's the right phrase. But no, uh, it's a bitter, bitter uh, for Kevin Spacey because I think he's not going to get anything back. The, the one thing that, that is so difficult for anyone that's ever been cancelled, they all say something very similar to this, is when they get their friends who believe that all the stuff is nonsense but want nothing to do with them because they're worried about their reputation. And, and this is something that we see anytime someone has been cancelled, the, the quiet allies, the quiet supporters. It was actually quite pleasing and quite moving to see Elton John, who has a lot to lose yeah. in, in his career, yeah. uh, if he were to get cancelled and, and yeah. tarnished, actually take a stand yeah. as a defense witness for Kevin Spacey. And I, I read a piece that you and Anne wrote in Spiked, and, and that actually carries a huge amount of weight in the United Kingdom when you've got Sir Elton John yeah. on your yeah, side. Yeah, uh, uh, Sir Elton John. I mean, and, uh, so I was sitting there in the courtroom, and the background was this guy was saying, oh, I was a driver for Elton John and did security for him. And the barrister said, I put it to you, Sir Bufton Tufton said, I, Casey, I put it to you that you did not ever drive. And I, was, and I thought, so I went out of the courtroom and I literally phoned a friend of mine who's a barrister. And I said, when he said that, does that mean Elton John's going to give evidence? And, uh, and he goes, he says, they wouldn't have said it if they couldn't prove it. He says, if I was the prosecutor there, I would do everything I ca could to stop Elton John setting foot in that courtroom. If Elton John says you are innocent, it's like the Queen Mother saying you're innocent, right? If he rides to your defense. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and, and so, but, and that's what happened there. He, he did video link in. And, and, fu and funny thing is he didn't, 
his evidence was quite technical, actually. He didn't say Kevin Spacey's innocent. He, but he, he stood up and he took the time out of a schedule. And, and Elton John has this national treasure status in the UK, which is a lot to lose. Well, international. Yeah, international. So, um, so that's a lot to lose. Like that's a that, that takes tremendous courage because you're actually risking, you know, beatification uh, that that you've had uh, for to stand up for this guy. Who, by the way, it wouldn't matter if you didn't stand up for him. No one, no one. You, but but obviously he had some kind of sense of of duty to tell the truth and. He, his truth, it wasn't, he didn't stand up and say Kevin Spacey. It was funny, his evidence was very technical. Kevin Spacey did not come to my house on that day. He was not at this party. We have no evidence of that. This guy never drove for me. He, he never played, it was security for me. Now, it, it meant that the biggest assault, one of the biggest assaults Spacey was charged with could not physically have happened. That's what his evidence said there. And he also it helped characterize the complainant as a, an exaggerator or fantasist. But it was very factual and very narrow. So, yeah, I mean, I happen to know, I, I've never spoken to Kevin Spacey, uh, uh, but I've spoken to people around him. Not, you know, and I asked about, was there much, was there anyone who'd like to come on the podcast, any of his friends or anything like that? And, and the, the answer was, all of his friends have deserted him. So... He did lose everything in that sense, and you weren't even getting the sense that there were people that were still around him but were kind of keeping quiet. You were hearing that they all bolted. Yes, yes. And he said in court that he's running out of money too. Um, now, and I assume you would think he hasn't, but I assume he wouldn't lie about something like that because it's provable. Yeah, he's running out of money, and, and, and the fee- no, it's secondhand. It's not firsthand information. It could even be thirdhand. That, that that the friends have deserted him. Mm-hmm. But but even on the money, I mean, you you know, certainly in the United States, the cost of defending yourself is, is astronomical. In in the United Kingdom, I mean, this was a, a weeks long trial, uh, and and no matter how shrewd you are an investor and how many millions you've made, it, it can go away overnight. Especially if you're talking about a guy that hasn't really been cast in anything in now nine years. Yeah. Well, the, the trial in the UK, I think, was three to four weeks, right? The trial in the in the US, uh, Anthony Rapp was two weeks. The Nantucket one was a, a week uh, of pre-trial, um, and you know I, I spoke to one of the lawyers uh, who who defend one of the lawyers who defended him, and, he, and I said, "How much work have you?" Because this guy has an encyclopedic knowledge. Now, uh, in some ways it was worth it. He said thousands of hours. Now I don't know these guys. What are they got a thousand dollars an hour, fifteen hundred dollars an hour? We're talking millions here. We're talking millions, and that's just for one lawyer. Uh, so, and you know, uh, this is all after tax money and apparently Netflix sued him and got a lot of money back off him and all this. And, you know, things could, thing, as you say, when there's not, you know, oh, what's it, Dickens character said, you know, in, incomings versus outcomings, you know, that's when the trouble starts and, uh, there's no incomings and there's a lot of outgoings. I know you've spent a lot of time in Hollywood and have fortunately kept your, your sanity intact in throughout that. But I, I'm curious, Phelan, what your sense is on kind of the mood there now versus in 2014. Because in, in 2014, when the Me Too wave kept in, I, I stand by that there were people that I think very 
much deserved what they got. And that doesn't mean I, I thought the process itself was appropriate, but I, I think the outcome might have been. And I, I think that right there is the distinction, is that a lot of people right now do not care about process. And I'm wondering if you think there's been a bit of regret about that, or have people just sort of closed the book and moved on and said what happened happened? Well, I, th I think it was, Me Too was actually, was it 2017 or was 2016? It was a bit later, but look, I have sensed no regret at all. All I'm getting is uh, people saying, thank God you're doing this. We, we knew it was a load of nonsense all along, right? Um, so there's, for those who, who went full in, all in, no regret. For those who kept quiet, secret, they're secretly glad we're doing this, right? But the, I've yet to meet. Now, we, we do get emails from members of the public who thank us for this because they, they just bought the story as well. But no, at that upper elite level, there's no regret. You know, look, I, we always said this when we used to cover the environmental movement. They would have a scare every five years. This is going to give us cancer. That And, and, and it would always be proven wrong. But, you know, being an environmentalist uh, means never having to say you're sorry. And I think being an elite Hollywood, elite Hollywood uh, hypocrite means never having to say you're sorry also. Who's going to call you out on it? What's, what's the gain? You know, but it's not even, it's not even that self-interested. It's that self-deluded. They don't think there's anything to be sorry for. Until, funny enough, until it comes for someone they know, like, and that's really what da a lot what damaged the Me Too movement was when, when they came to us in Cuomo, and Cuomo wrote to his friends in Hollywood and said, uh, help and they helped them and then the emails came out uh, I think it was the leadership of the Me Too movement helped them because hey it's Andrew Cuomo we know he wouldn't do that and I'm going well do you ever think that applying those that strict rigor of, 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 of proof and all that and due process to all the other people whose lives you've ruined yeah, I know. And, and you're right. And I, I apologize for mixing up the date. For whatever reason, I had 2014 burned into my mind, but it was 2017. So we're, we're talking about six years. So amend any time I've mentioned uh, nearly a decade to that. But I think everything else still stands. And your point about Cuomo is a valid one. I mean, the, the way that uh, Believe All Women, which was the refrain of, of 2017, evaporated when Tara Reid accused Joe Biden of uh, sexual wrongdoing. And then it was Joe Biden. I remember there was that one press conference he gave where he he had to like explain no 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 i i said we should be not no we we shouldn't just but like he, he couldn't explain how his position had changed when he was the guy being accused uh, of this and and you know again bill clinton if the standard applied to donald trump was applied to bill clinton the guy would be in prison right now yes yeah so so yeah the, the, uh, there's no there's no reckoning in hollywood there's no sense of embarrassment you know, because the mainstream media haven't covered this, um, you know, and they haven't covered the implications for Kevin Spacey being exonerated in three courts in two jurisdictions. And I think this is the end of it. And I mean, if you listen to the podcast, if you listen to the Anthony Rapp podcast, it, it was it was corrupt journalism colluding with false allegations to get a story and destroyed that man's life. And there's no, there's no, everyone's, Anthony Rapp is now a major international activist slash actor. The journalist went from BuzzFeed, he's now a senior writer in Variety. Everyone's done very well out of it. Uh, and uh, a jury took 45 minutes to order lunch, arrange a foreman and exonerate him. So uh, it, no, there's no, 
no, not much grounds for optimism. Now, I, I don't want you to give away anything too, too much if you have plans, because you already always have plans for something or other. But uh, do you think this could warrant the uh, fictionalized treatment or the dramatized treatment that some of your other projects have, this trial? It's funny. Uh, a very, very, very prominent Hollywood producer reached out to us, right? Someone had sent him the podcast. And we got all excited, right? Because we thought... I mean, if you listen to the pod, I mean, it's unbelievable. Kevin Spacey was saved by a dream, right? That, that, you know, so he, he, he couldn't, he didn't know when it happened. He couldn't remember. He was an itinerant actor at the time, 1986, moving from sublease to sublease, you know, trying to get the cheapest place to stay in, in New York. He didn't know where he was staying. He had a dream that he was living in a studio. I, I kid you not. And it's all in an email. I've got the email that was part of the court documents. That, he says, I was living in a studio at that time. Oh, that studio. He then went to his boxes and found the floor plan, found the lease, found letters that he had written to his mother about his studio apartment. No bedroom, nothing. Uh, then, oh, then, then uh, secret emails between the journalist and Anthony Rapp emerged where Anthony Rapp got things really, really wrong. And the journalist said, we can't print this because it's wrong. So what we'll do is we'll disguise what you said or we'll not print it. So the, so the journalists... So they were running interference up. quite openly for yes. allegations yes. that even they saw well, weren't necessarily accurate. Yeah, yeah. not openly, colluding behind, before the story was published, right? They, they, they realized his story was filled with errors and inconsistencies. So they just didn't publish those. Or at one stage, the journalist sent an email saying, we'll keep the story deliberately vague in that respect so Spacey can't refute it. Right. That's an actual email between the journalist and the interviewee. And I mean, it's a great story. And I thought we got all excited uh, because we thought this guy has spotted that potential, wants to option it, whatever. And we, we spoke to him and he said, oh, he said, beautiful podcast. Loved it. I, I just it's an amazing story. I said, is there a movie? in it? he said too soon. You know, and I'm going that to me, that means I should do it now. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have to wait until no one cares about it enough to be mad to do it, apparently. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's, now is exactly the time to do this amazing story. It's, it's, it's filled with Hollywood twists and subplots. I mean, the people in Nantucket, the complainant in Nantucket, uh, deleted texts from his, from his phone. And uh, when Spacey's team said, we need to get into this phone uh, they said, well, we don't have it. The police don't have it. The police got into court and said, I swear to God, I gave the phone to the complainant's father and I'm the guy who gave it. And his father looks like this. And this is what he was wearing that day. And the complainant's father got up and says, I have no memory of this. And I'm, I'm going, so they took the phone and, you know, who knows? And then that's when they were said, you need to be aware of, of the effects of perjury and tampering with evidence. And that's when they said, we're pleading the fifth. So, it's a great, there's, there's some more twists and turns in a proper Hollywood movie. We would love to do it. And when someone says to me, it's too soon, that means it should be done right now. Well, you might even be able to get uh, Kevin Spacey to play himself at this point. Wouldn't that be the, the best part of stunt casting? Actually, the best bit would be to get Kevin Spacey to play one of his complainants. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, apparently he checks the email sent to his website. So you should uh, send, send your uh, email well, along I, there well, and... Uh, 
I swear to God, the guy literally, there's a thing called kevinspacey.com and the guy went on this Kevin Spacey and there's a button contact us and he wrote it and it got to Kevin Spacey. So just a, a word to everyone out there, go to Kevin Spacey. If you want to <laughs> send a message to Kevin Spacey, go to kevinspacey.com. He reads them all. Yeah, and tell him to reach out to uh, Phelan McAleer uh, whenever he puts together what I, I hope we yeah. can get cooking here. Well, listen, it was a, a tremendous project as could be expected. The trial is over, but you can listen to the podcast narrated by Phelan lovely wife Ann McElhenney at KevinSpaceyPodcast.com and you should also look up the Gosnell movie which I, I know we have a lot of members of the pro-life community who watch and listen to this show uh, a tremendous tremendous film if you haven't already seen it again very much bringing a real life event and series of events uh, that are put on the screen in a way uh, that is both respectful and entertaining so uh, Phelan McAleer always a pleasure to talk to you thanks for coming on today Thank you, Andrew. Uh, always a pleasure to come on your show as well. Thank you. That was Phelan McAleer, half of the powerhouse duo that is Phelan McAleer and Anne McElhenney. As I mentioned, you can ch- check out that podcast at kevinspaceypodcast.com. That's it for me. We will be back on Tuesday with more of Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.